0: This episode is brought to you by Alberta Podcast Network. All right, welcome second floor podcast listeners. I have with me literally the one and the only Krista Jones, debunking coach. We're about to go into exactly decluttering coach. We were practicing this before I went on air to get an idea of the name that we, Mm -hmm. you know, hold ourselves to with what we do. And, you know, when it comes to decluttering, I'm excited for not only myself, but our listeners to get an idea of how much decluttering our spaces can promote mental health awareness as far as us becoming more comfortable in our environments and us going back to... Not only loving ourselves more, but loving the place we call home. Um, so yeah, very nice good. to have you on board. Yeah. There you go. Knuckle sandwich.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: How are we feeling today?
1: Really good. I, I got done two sessions this weekend with a client and I just feel good. Nice. Yeah.
0: Can you define for me what decluttering means to you personally?
1: Krista? Mm. Um, so there are things in our life, in our home, in our environment, and also in our inner selves that are taking up space and what that actually does is take up energy, takes up time, takes up attention, takes up focus. And when those things in your environment and in yourself are not serving you, it's actually harming you. You need to assess them and decide, can I let this go? And sometimes it's really hard to do on your own. So that's why I do what I do, to assist people in processing things, talking about things, verbalizing what those items and what those possessions mean to them and why they're holding on to them. And then we decide, okay, do you actually need that? Do you actually want that in your life? Is it actually benefiting you? And if not, let's let it go. Make space.
0: And I find it beautiful how you've been able to come into this space as a coach and as someone who can not only just walk into someone's household and all of a sudden be like, okay, you don't need this, I'm getting rid of it, <laughs> but you can have them give dialogue to mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And is this a space that you noticed occupation-wise already existed? Or are you in a way really a first adopter and you're starting to you know, make a name for yourself in a very untapped industry?
1: It's interesting because professional organizing has been around for about 20 years. Um, it is just not well-known at all. Uh, we had Marie Kondo come on Netflix, uh, about five years ago or so. I think that's how long that show first launched. And then, um, the home edit get organized with the home edit was the most recent one that came on Netflix. And that's when the industry took off. Um, people realized this is a thing you can make money doing this. I can hire someone to come in and help me do this. And so in the last two or three years, it's definitely, expanded. And I've had people reaching out to me and asking me, how do you do this business? I want to do this. So I've been coaching other professional organizers on starting their own business. But yeah, I've been doing this since June 2019. Um, Nice. And it's grown really fast. Yeah.
0: And to see not only in the span of just about three years, Mm -hmm. you've also been able to coach others on how to do it for other people to to make a bigger impact.
1: Yeah, that's fun.
0: What what was it... What was it like transitioning into covid when that was a time where a lot of people have had to change their finances Mm -hmm. they've had to change possibly even their living circumstances from like needing to move into smaller spaces um or even overall let's just face it we all were in it just having to call home our workplace, our place of, uh, you know, living and all of it in between and pretty much not escape out of it mm-hmm. in order for us to stay more sane. Like, what was that transition like for you personally? And, and what were some possible success stories that came out of helping someone navigate COVID-19?
1: Yeah, COVID was actually the, the catalyst for my business. Um, I was doing the company for about a year and then COVID hit. I was only side hustling at evenings, weekends, um, and then some weekdays when I had custody of my kids and I'd homeschool them. So yeah, babysitters were (laughs) helpful. But when COVID hit, I got laid off of my part-time job. And so I didn't have a choice. I was forced to go full-time with organizing. And Alberta relaunched about a month later for me to be able to go into people's homes as an essential service with moving and, and, and mental health stuff. But it was... After a couple months of people being locked into their home with no escape, no external environment to leave to, they realize, I don't like my home. I don't like being here. It makes me feel stressed, overwhelmed, uncomfortable. And then, yes, like you said, there were people educating their kids at home, working from home, and trying to survive, you know, just taking care of their home while trying to maintain their mental and emotional health, too, in a really stressful situation. So they... Instantly, we reaching out to me and asking, can you come in? We thought we would do this on our own, and we just don't know where to start. There's too much. And I, yeah, was full-time since June 2020, and it was amazing. It's been amazing.
0: Where, where does that really begin, then, as far as your process with someone? I mean, if you can look back on, you know, a specific family you worked with or a couple or someone – to declutter their space during a time where they've been in it every day, twenty four hours, um, give me an idea. Maybe this is us dipping into your process a little bit, but yeah, uh, if you want to work backwards or from the beginning of a specific situation, it'd be really neat to hear um, the value of what you do mm-hmm. for somebody, especially during that time, and for some who are still in it, right?
1: Yeah, um, man, I have so many stories. I have a lot of clients. I I work with so many, but th- the process for me to come and work with someone the hardest part is them reaching out to me for help because they have to hop on a virtual call with me and show me around their space and I'm a complete stranger they just know me from my social media my (laughs) my website and so I'm like yeah show me around and they're like but it's a mess. And I'm like, yeah, if it wasn't, I wouldn't have a job. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's see it because I can see the potential. I know what I'm going to do with it. Right. And so I know how they're going to feel after I'm done and they'll show me around and, um, and then I'll be able to tell them how long it's going to take and how many sessions we should work together. And people, yeah, most of my clients have just, they were, they were so nervous to, to show it to me. It's vulnerable, right? You're being super vulnerable to show your space um, because there's a lot of emotions connected to that and uh, embarrassment, shame. Yeah.
0: this is the, power the start of it. Of intention setting, I notice in our field of anything related to health. Mm-hmm. Um, I find health from a mental perspective um, and a state perspective as far as what condition, and, and what presence we have in our current moment of time relates to, um, in my opinion, I've, from the research I've done lately, is the six fears of influence. Mm-hmm. And that's looking at what is, where's our personal health at? Where's our social health at? And then lastly, where is our environmental health? And I feel like that's something that you are owning yeah. right now for people is like the environment in which you have situ- like are situated in, mm-hmm. where you're sleeping, how your kitchen is set up, right? I'm just thinking now of sleep and food, Yeah. right? Like yeah, those are two big rocks <laughs> in our home when you think about it. Those mm-hmm. are the two main essentials. How is that placed? And is it serving you properly mm-hmm. outside of how you're treating yourself and, and your social support system? And now is it a motivational issue or is it an ability issue? And now when you take it from a generational perspective, it's like, OK, well, what were you shown growing up or what, big. you know, what were you seeing growing up that you have now just let continuously happen? And it's scary with families. Don't get me wrong, because now it's taking two <laughs> separate people who have decided to come into a marriage to to live through that chaos. Yeah. But it's like up to them to make that difference. And now you come into the situation mm-hmm. and are like, all right, so you're up for the environmental change they're not <laughs> and i can't imagine what that's like
1: yeah a lot of times it's uh one partner in the relationship that's calling for help <laughs> and so the other one's skeptical and like oh this woman's gonna come in and tell me to throw out all my stuff you know and I, that's not what it is at all i come in and i definitely am a relationship counselor during our sessions and i'm a you know a parent child counselor during some of our sessions, because you have a lot of emotions in that home that are affecting everybody's daily life. And you, I mean, you can't avoid that. You're, you're stuck there with those people, right? And so when we work with clients, with couples, with families, with, you know, kids, it's so amazing to see how their relationships are healed and how they get to communicate with each other about certain things and issues and you know like those little oh i don't like that about you or this bothers me and because i'm there as a mediator they can tell me that at the same time their partner or their kid is hearing that and it's kind of like a buffer right and so i'm a safe i'm a safe place i'm a non-judgmental i'm a confidential like person for them to confide in or express that to and and there's a lot of healing that comes with that. When you finally get to say what's been on your mind or what's been bothering you, you get to let that go. And for me to facilitate communication between family members is huge. It's super, super, super important to me.
0: Is it very case by case depending on you choosing to have that conversation with everyone at once? Or are you like, (laughs) we're gonna do everyone at once, we're gonna do everyone individually and I'm gonna investigate the situation?
1: No, I'm super like go with the flow kind of person where if I'm feeling something is an issue, I will touch on it to see how the client responds. If they're full on like walls up, I'm like, okay, no problem. We'll just move on to the next thing. But if I feel there's some give there and they're like, oh my God, she's asking me this. I've, I have never told anyone this. And often it'll come out of their mouth. I've never told anyone this, but.
0: Mm.
1: And I mean, sometimes it is our first session, the first time ever meeting in person. And they're telling me deep, dark secrets or things that they're really struggling with. And that to me is the most like rewarding, fulfilling part of this business, is to know that people can trust me with their deep, dark secrets and their, their real hard emotions. And then they can find healing and work through that. And sometimes it's just really being intuitive, being sensitive and being willing to listen. They don't even need you to fix it or give you advice. It's just somebody to listen
0: that's very powerful that you said that because then it's like okay well this makes sense why you have things the way Mm -hmm. they are it may look like chaos to me or your significant other but the fact that you've been able to share this it makes sense why you're doing it and if it's healthy for you and if that's how you choose to heal then so be it
1: and sometimes they don't realize it until they say it out loud they're like wow i just realized that wow
0: yeah this episode is brought to you by park power your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Shop local. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, You are choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network. So it's just a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. What would be some examples of what you see in decluttering right so i'll give you an idea of what i first comes to mind especially for listeners who are like okay decluttering okay what's going on here first thing that i think of is um hoarding Mm -hmm. right like that's the first thing that comes to mind is like here I am with, and I wanted to show you beforehand, but I'll show you after. <laughs> I have my comic books that I just never touch. Mm. I don't even touch for years. But to me, that's a staple of my childhood, yeah. right? It's in a corner somewhere. It's not bugging anybody. No one <laughs> even knows it's there. But I have every single one of my manga books I used to read, right? Bleach, Naruto. And there's a time in my life where like, I would take all my birthday money and spend it on it. I haven't even read half those books, but I'm like, ah, childhood, mm. right? But to me, I'm I'm not like a super hoarder, but I'm like, okay, I know that doesn't need to be there, but I'm keeping it because it reminds me of those golden ages. That's so nice. on your end, like what else besides hoarding do you notice you're decluttering for people?
1: It's interesting because what you're talking about is collection. And what I'm hearing you say is that it has positive memories associated with it. Your childhood must have been great, like, or mostly great. Mm-hmm. So that you, or even just your 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 moments of buying that item made you feel great, right? It gave you that, that, oh, this feels fun, or I enjoy this. And you probably read them, which probably gave you some escape and some, you know, fun and, and excitement in your life. And so there are those positive emotions connected to that item. And to collect those items that make you feel good, or as Marie Kondo would say, spark joy, is awesome. And I think that that's great. I think if you have the space to store that kind of a collection that brings positive emotions and memories into your your being, mm-hmm. that is the kind of stuff that we should surround ourselves with. Those are the kind of things we should have in our life. The problem is, or the issue becomes when, those things start detracting from enjoyment of life when they start stressing us out, when they start becoming a burden. And sometimes collections can become overwhelming or you have too many collections of things. And that's when you start hearing words like, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have much space. I don't have any more room. I don't know what to do with these items. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this stuff when I die. Like, who? how am I gonna take care of all this stuff? I mean, it's getting really dusty and I'm finding it hard to, to clean up, you know? Those negative things really start to become the forefront. And that's when we need to deal with it because it's no longer sparking joy or bringing, bringing back positive memories. It's actually creating a current negative state and so it's no longer blessing you or, or being positive for
0: you. That's a good point because now it makes you pay attention to how much it may feel like a job. And it's like either a job you enjoy a lot or mm-hmm. it's a task that becomes so medial and it just it becomes so like, taxing and it's not... It's not making you feel fulfilled, right? It's like some people find joy in cleaning their homes, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, like the outcome of how beautiful my home is going to feel. They're liking it. Yeah. Then others are like, oh my goodness, like mm-hmm. this took me all day. Like what the hell's going on? Exactly. Right? So it's like, okay, maybe in the process yeah. of how can we decrease the amount of time it takes to clean by just cleaning up as you go.
1: Mm-hmm. Maintenance. I mean, no, no. Yeah, maintenance. Now that's a whole other. when you have a lot of stuff, it's really hard to maintain. And that's what I tell people when they're like, I don't have time to do this. And I'm always stressed out and busy with that. And it's just so hard to clean my house. And I can't get the kids to do it. They just keep putting it off, putting it off. I'm like, it's because you're overwhelmed. You have too much stuff. It takes too much time and energy to deal with. And it's draining you. So the real issue here is too much stuff.
0: And is that not just stuff at home? Is that just stuff going on? Do yeah, schedule schedule
1: is huge. Like before COVID, we were running into the issue with clients where hockey, dance, school oh, okay. extracurriculars, yeah. like committing to community, committing to church, volunteering, like family commitments, caregiving commitments. There is so much in a person's schedule in life that they have to manage and maintain and organize. If you don't simplify that schedule... And make sure that you are picking what's really truly important and what is your priority i mean you can get overwhelmed and overrun with with stuff in your schedule and that just adds to the overwhelm and then the mental and emotional health just
0: big time plummets. i mean we're in this go 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 state that we're in given the the, the reality we're all facing mm-hmm. um I, for one, in the world I live in, that's how I operate. I love filling my schedule. But it's, (laughs) it's right? But it's like, recently, it's bit me in the ass, right? Like, it's affected relationships I have. It's made me actually change my day setup, right? Like, thank goodness, my academy where I train jujitsu at, Krista, allows me to wake up at 5am to train at 6am. If I didn't have that, I would have to make some decisions that would really suck, mm-hmm. right? Because that's something I choose to prioritize. But now that I've been able to shift my schedule, I may have an opportunity to still save the relationships I'm in. And yeah. so keep that social cup full because that's a two-way street. You know, it's not yeah. fair to make others feel like they're at the bottom of their priority list when you're saying they're a priority, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really tough thing is we have to take stock in in seeing, okay, like, what am I, like, what does my day-to-day look like? And I've
1: mm-hmm.
0: I recognized this is psychological because for me, where it comes from is since I was nine years old, I've went to school, went home for a little bit. Um, and by a little bit, I mean, like, <laughs> dad's like, drink your milk and then let's go martial arts. So I'm like, okay, go, 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 right? Yeah. So I drink my milk. I go to martial arts. That's yeah. my evening activity every day, yeah. right? Go train from, like, 4.30 to 7.30, come home, dinner, homework, repeat. Yes. We just did the same thing. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now, like, I I want to make sure I'm sharing a life with someone that I love. And it's like, they deserve time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have to make sure I get my work and my me time done possibly before I could give them that time.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's the tough part because I feel like that's what can make or break uh to a degree relationships.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you are – hopefully a priority in your own life. And sometimes we put ourselves last and we're saying yes to so many things and so many commitments and so many responsibilities and so many people that we burn out. And it's really hard to recover from that. And I think that was one of the things that COVID gave people was like a pause to say, we're stopping all of this and you are staying home with your people and or with you yourself alone. I mean, that was like completely revolutionary for so many people. And it made them realize like a lot of things about themselves, about their relationships, about their family, about their home. And I think it was actually really good, to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm, I agree with you. I,
1: everything just stopped so that people could have time to think, time to talk, time to process, time to assess what has not been working and we've been avoiding it. We've been ignoring it. We've been escaping from it by going out and having dinner and going to the movie and doing fun stuff to like distract from the actual issues that are making us actually very unhappy or miserable. And now we're faced with the reality and we have to deal with it.
0: That's so true. On a personal level, did that happen to you at all during that time? Um...
1: I mean, I had dealt with a lot of other stuff leading up before COVID, so <laughs> not really.
0: During COVID <laughs> was a <the> breakthrough. COVID <laughs> was like ah freedom
1: because I saw I I honestly um, have always been a person of like self awareness and and reflection and dealing with things that I, are issues for me and working through stuff. Yeah. So when I saw that happen, I was like, oh, everybody's getting a real chance to like reflect on their their situation, and so for me, it was more of. What do I want to do during this time? And I didn't have a lot of downtime, to be honest, just because I did work for most of it. They laid me off. I had a month off and then I went full time with the, with the organizing. So and then I was really busy. <laughs> it was really great.
0: Capitalized. Yeah, on it. I don't know.
1: I, I guess I got kind of lucky there. There was there was stress about not being able to, um, you know, do, do certain things that I wanted to do, be with certain people I wanted to be with. But at the same time, I was still being social with my clients. I was still being physically active with my job. and my kids were homeschooled. And so we kind of just like adapted and and did the best we could. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel very blessed. Well, this is with what's how n- it happened for me.
0: And that's what's nice about hearing this is because it's not all. Dungeons and Dragons and Hellbound uh, stories that come out of COVID where it's literally like, okay, it was a very serious time, but you created a job where you real a career rather, mm-hmm. where you realize, Krista, that what you're doing is COVID proof, right? It's
1: pretty incredible. I was able to work with people during like the craziest time that we have seen in our generation and tr- help them Transform their homes, but also transform their lives. See them let go of things and release burdens and heal and be set free, have relief, have peace. I mean, I was able to give people that with what I do during the craziest, most difficult time that our world has seen in a long time.
0: And that's the thing. I'm really curious to know this. You've been able to go into strangers' homes. You've being able to walk into situations like you are like like i have so much data and research i could expel out of you right now and i'm so <laughs> excited but like I'm, wa- I'm wondering like where do you think is as as uh, <laughs> human beings of 2022 what are we doing wrong in our households what are some things where you're noticing like hey like from everything i noticed from all the homes I've, I'm, I'm in we're going about it wrong with xyz mm. as far as the overall routine and structure <laughs> and outline right because yeah. everyone talks about it we all need a home we all need a roof over our head but then no one goes how are we structuring it right that's yeah. like what, what do you think from what you saw in the scene is just absolute like hey if you're doing this right now and you're listening here, here's some free krista jones <laughs> <Some> free- decluttering <laughs> coaching advice right now. <laughs>
1: Man, uh, there's quite a few tips. Like I would say, for the average family with children, your kids have too many toys. Um, they are expected to maintain, clean up, and manage too much crap. It's just completely unrealistic and it's unnecessary. I have traveled to a lot of countries and seeing children with very few things, they are lucky to have a soccer ball and they are perfectly happy. They have massive smiles on their faces. They're having fun. They're, they're, you know, getting physical activity. I mean, it was, it's just your children do not need all that stuff. But the reason they have all that stuff is because you feel guilty for not having time for them. And so in order to, Feel better about the fact that you work too much or you're too busy with all of your extracurriculars or you're just too tired and burnt out at the end of the day to really engage with your child and have quality time. You're filling that void with physical items that is actually damaging your relationship with them even more. Because it's not about giving them things. It's about giving them your attention, giving them your care, giving them your concern, and them knowing that you want to connect with them. So that to me is one of the things that COVID was beneficial for in that I, as a homeschooling parent, understand what it's like to be home with my kid all day. Okay. And then in the evenings and <laughs> waking up in the mornings, like you get to realize who your child is and understand their strengths, their weaknesses, their quirks, their their real needs, their love languages. Um, I think having that opportunity to have kids at home full time really forced parents to 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 face the reality that I don't know my child I talked to a lot of families who were forced to homeschool and they were asking me for advice. And I'm like, don't do the school. Just turn off the computer and tell the, tell the school you're not doing the online work and spend time with your child. Like, this is a traumatic experience. We're all going through. It's not about school, who cares? You need to be there for your kids and you need to let them know I'm struggling too, be real. Be real with your kid and have real communication and real in-depth discussions about what you're both kind of dealing with because that's where the relationship and the foundation comes from is that communication. And then you can do, the kid will be able to do anything once they have that solid foundation with a parent and that confidence that, yeah, no matter what I do or no matter if I mess up, mom's there for me, I can go and talk to her. Dad's there for me to support me. I think that that's just what, COVID and being, working with families and seeing the stuff that they have and seeing relationship issues, um, that, that's stood out to me the most over the last two years.
0: Wow. That is, that is heavy. And I, I connect with that to many different degrees. I mean, first and foremost, for me being a kid where I personally, um, was very spoiled and I've had very hardworking parents mm-hmm. um, who, like, I felt needed to work that hard in order to just survive yeah. as uh, parents who have, you know, immigrated to Canada and mm-hmm. who needed to put in that time and effort. And, you know, someone like my father where I've, I've craved going up, you know, I wanted to spend more time with him yeah. and, and even with my mom. And they, they at moments they just couldn't because the business was also their baby. Mm-hmm. And they've given me so much. And how psychologically that affects how then we show love yeah. to our significant others and do how we do things when we're dating. And it, it hit me because I'm going through this mm-hmm. <laughs> actually quite recently, and that's why it strikes a chord. Is like you've got loved ones that they say all they want is your quality time. Growing up, that's all you wanted. Okay, so how it was dealt with at the time, and no disrespect to my parents. I love them to death, but, Mm -hmm. like, they felt like, okay, let's keep them entertained. Let's keep them doing something. So here's a brand new this. Here's a brand new that. You're asking for this. We'll give it to you. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm noticing that, like, same thing. I'm like, okay, you want a quality time. I feel so bad. Let me gift you this. Let me Mm -hmm. gift you that. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because you just start to repeat things that were done to you. Mm -hmm. And on another level, the whole time spending thing, like – here I am in my mid-20s, and I got to feel like my parents' kid all over again. And I was giddy about it. My parents, too, they were giddy about it, right? Like, my mom's like, you know what? Like, because we all spent COVID together. She's yeah. like, this isn't so bad, eh? <laughs> she she's she's like, we're all, like, living like a family again. And, like, we're spending all the time watching this movie. We're watching that movie. Uh-huh. Me and my me and my dad. Like, again, like, there's this time that, like, we never had. Mm-hmm. And they were enjoying it. And I was admitted, admittedly enjoying it. Awesome. And I love that you mentioned that because – if you're in a household, of course, that like feels safe and everyone's go-getting and everyone's always constantly working, Like, I love that you shared like, how, hey, sometimes it's like, so what, what's a year? We're all in a mess anyway. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about school right now. Like, <laughs> Just spend time with us. Let's hang out, because why are we working this hard anyway? Yep. You know?
1: Yep, exactly. And that's where I'm at right now with this business is being able to step back from working with clients and being in sessions every day to now being able to send my team members to sessions and then spend the whole friggin' day doing whatever I want with my kids. And I mean, I can legitimately have an entire day of just fun with them. That's awesome. And it's, I don't know, it's more than um, just going to West Edmonton Mall and like doing cool things. It's like getting to watch my kids grow up Getting to watch them make decisions, getting them, seeing them learn from every choice that they make, helping them process things and work through difficult times and helping them build resilience. You know, I I just for me, COVID was a very eye opening experience to how much I can actually control my schedule, determine my days and who and and what I want to spend that time and energy with. Like it's um, with the people that I love and the things that I love doing. And it's totally doable. Definitely. You just have to be very intentional.
0: It's so true. And I think it's very cliche to say this, but we have to ask ourselves why we're about to do something that's taking our time. Yep. And I find that becomes a lot more dialed in <laughs> when you have kids. I don't have kids, <laughs> but as I start recognizing who I want to keep in my life, who I want to spend the rest of my life with... It's so much easier to either do something that you that you love at a different time that may not be your first original (laughs) option, or possibly ask yourself, "Is this still something I want to do in the next five years?" Mm -hmm. Right? Like, there's gonna be some things that have to go. I'm right now transitioning out of training certain clients that i have that have told me personally kenny i want you to be my trainer for life Mm -hmm. to being like okay in five years i see myself taking like a a higher level leadership role in the in the martial arts world in the fitness world okay am i still at that point gonna need to be the guy training Mm -hmm. the client or am i now you know training the You know, person managing the building, who's training the trainer, who's training the client, right? So it's scary to sometimes think where I'm like, okay, well, then what needs to go? Because then that now is going to be free time spent with my loved ones. Mm -hmm. And I find this is the thought process we have to sometimes put ourselves in. is asking ourselves why and wondering if it's still something we want to keep doing. Because it then becomes this constant ah, battle of sacrifice. I do this. What am I sacrificing it for? 100%. Yeah. Right.
1: There you go. And that and that comes back to decluttering. You need to decide what you have in your life and why you have it there and is it still what you want? And I mean that can that can count for physical possessions, that can count for career and business decisions and that can count for people and relationships. I mean, we are it's so important to constantly be evaluating that stuff because we're always growing, we're always changing and evolving and leveling up. So it's never stagnant, and and that's why I tell clients, you need to ha- get me in at least every six months, at least, because there's always, you know, birthdays and Christmases and life transitions and changes that are going on that you're, and you're constantly accumulating stuff physically. Yeah, things come into the home, but also mentally and emotionally you're bringing on things and relationally there's always stuff coming up so you need to be able to have someone like a coach or or a friend that you can talk to about that kind of stuff and and reevaluate it and be like this is still serving me do i still want this is it still beneficial or do i need to let go of this and make space for something else Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that's more serving me
0: and this is something i noticed through the act of what you said about Doing something to serve me. I, I find being a parent is the most selfless role in our life. And it's the moment you become a parent. And sure, you have baby fever. and Oh, oh you have a little baby. You want a kid. And it's like, wait a second. I'm a parent for life. Like, I can't quit this job. <laughs> and if I do decide to quit this job, I'm going to be ridiculed for it by everyone in my life. Right? Yeah. And the burden and et cetera. Mm. But what I'm trying to get at here is like gen, genuine opinion is i want to know where you stand with this how selfless do we really need to be as a parent when i've seen some parents that i coach and and, and i actually ask them these questions who are still putting themselves first while having kids mm. yet there's still sometimes that regret krista mm-hmm. where they're like oh, sometimes i feel bad like i should be with my kid yeah. here i am like working on myself and i'm like wait but while working on yourself how much more do you show up for your kid yeah and they're like yeah that makes sense then there's other parents who are so ingrained in the life is for their kids to serve their kids and Mm -hmm. everything's about the kids that to be honest whether they admit it or not it is mentally unhealthy for them so like i'm wondering on your end with like do you think it's healthy for a, a, a parent to situate a mom or dad to, to to situate their whole environment and themselves to benefit their child and only their child.
1: Man, you open up a can of worms with that one with me because I <laughs> I have been homeschooling my children and I decided we decided that we were going to do the life learning approach where they kind of get to decide what they're interested in based on their strengths and their passions and what excites them. And we kind of facilitate that and provide like opportunities and resources and things for them. So in a way, our schooling does kind of revolve around them. But when we are spending so much time with them doing those certain things, that kind of gives us permission to be like, okay, I'm putting a lot into you. So here this time is for me and I'm not going to feel guilty about this time, right? Because I personally believe that a, a family is a, should be balanced, right? Like there is like partner relationship, there's partner-child relationship and then there's, indivi- there's child-child relationship and then there's individual relationship. And each individual needs to have their own ability to say, this doesn't work for me. My kids are allowed to say no. They're allowed to express to me that they disagree with me. They're allowed to say that they don't want to do something. And then we talk about it. Okay, why? Like, can you explain to me? Because my children are independent human beings. They're not little robots. And neither am I. I'm not a robot slave that does everything that my child needs and everything that they (laughs) want. Um, And we communicate and we function in a way that is respectful of one another, but at the same time self-determined, self-assertive, respectful of ourselves. So I, I am a hundred percent supportive of parents taking time away for the, for themselves and saying to their kid, this isn't about you right now. And I think that, I think that that is good. I think that it is there needs to be balance. It's really, really hard. You need to be intentional with it. And again, that comes down to your schedule. Structuring in me time to go to the gym or do something that, that you love that's a hobby. Scheduling in partner relationship, you know, dates and alone time. Scheduling in, you know, father-daughter, father-son time, mommy-daughter time. Like you need to schedule those things in and be intentional. Otherwise, all the urgent stuff is just going to take over. Life And then those people that need your attention and time don't get the priority. Um, I will be completely transparent with you. My custody situation from six years ago, being a full-time mom and my ex not really seeing the kids at all, maybe once a week, went to week-on-week-off custody. And then about a year ago, a year and a half ago... We went to three weeks straight with him and one week with me. And then I would go up for a weekend to see them and spend a weekend with them. So he has more custody with the kids than I do. And I felt so guilty at first because I'm the mom. They should want to be with me. I should have them more, you know, like, does this make me a a horrible mother? Um, but that was something that they expressed that they wanted to try. And I'm not going to be like, "Well, oh, no, that hurts my feelings. Like, I was like, hey, let's try it for three months and see. And after three months of doing it, they I could just tell they were, like, more stable because they weren't back and forth all the time. They were really happy with their friends and their new community. Um, they just – I don't know. They just enjoyed it. And I'm like, I'm not going to mess with this. I'm not going to mess with this good thing. I can go up and see them whenever I want and spend time with them if I wanted to. like. But the opportunity to work three weeks straight, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> and then have that entire week off to just be with my kids and then spend a whole weekend, I mean, just focus on them. They say all the time, it's so nice, mommy. You don't have to work with clients. So nice that we don't need a babysitter when you're with us.
0: And now think about how much more quality time you're spending. It's
1: so much better quality. If you were
0: with them for for, four weeks, you'd almost argue that it's more.
1: Well, I was getting babysitters to watch them so I could go on sessions. And I felt so bad coming home at the end of the day burnt out and I didn't have anything left to give them. This is so much better for us but admitting this on a podcast and telling
0: Appreciate people sharing. this
1: is hard because it's not the normal for people to think, oh yeah, weekend mom, you know? I, I, I don't know, it's society in my, the back of my mind is like, this isn't normal, you're, you're, you're a bad mom. But they're happy and they, we got through COVID, we got through a really horrible time. They're so mentally, emotionally, physically like good. And that's what makes me feel confident in knowing that we are good listeners. We, we, we're trying to do what's best for our kids.
0: I I really appreciate you sharing that because when you take into consideration of when people say, oh, well, what would society think? Or what would, you know, what does keeping up with the Joneses really look like? And to be honest, it's bullshit. Mm. Every family's different. Every family's unique. They're all not one and the same. You made mm-hmm. such a good point earlier, Krista, when you said that you're just going to ask the kids. You're just going to take into consideration that even at this the, the this tiny age of 6 to 8 to 10 years old, they have thoughts, they have feelings, mm-hmm. they have values, they have opinions. <laughs> and they have a lot of them. <laughs> like, let's be and honest. they don't hold them
1: back. They let you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like a parent sometimes mm-hmm. needs to take that – uh, whether it's something they're addicted to or not, they need to take off the sense of control yeah. and for a second stop going on autopilot and just ask their kid, what do you want? And I love that you listened to your kids yeah. and did that. And they said, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty cool to see dad more often. Mm-hmm. Like we, we we would appreciate that. Yeah. And you know, you let your ego go. And I'm sure if any, <laughs> any, you know, mother or, or family trying to do their best to raise kids with with split custody is listening to this they could kind of consider that yeah hold on what is best for my kid mm-hmm. you know what is gonna allow them to be able to move on through this process that is destroying me mm-hmm. but I'm putting on a face is possibly destroying them mm-hmm. but why don't I just talk about it because maybe some kids will talk about it first I'll be pretty impressive yeah. otherwise they won't yeah. They'll follow your steps.
1: Because they, do, they don't They do want to disappoint you. They don't want to hurt you. A lot of them feel like um, if mom or dad are upset, it's because of me. And I think it's really important to have those conversations with your kids that you are not responsible for my feelings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How I choose to respond to this is on me. So I want you to be honest with me and tell me what you need. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel. I think it's a really good growing opportunity as parents. We're that's it's I mean it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, oh, wow. That yeah. is not easy. It grows me every single day right. and I'm so grateful for them like I can't imagine being without them. Yeah. But at the same time I just want them to be happy and mm-hmm. secure and know that we want them to be able to choose their path and And
0: this is is what's scary is like I love that you say that some parents and this isn't every um you know uh you could say um parent that feels this way from different cultures and backgrounds Mm -hmm. but it's very scary and unfortunate because we we do have quite a big south asian following where some families almost feel some children feel guilt-ridden in everything their parents have done for them mm-hmm. they now feel this sense of pressure to like give back to their parents but then also raise their own family yet also be there to be there for themselves mm-hmm. and then history repeats itself by them seeing their parents never doing anything for themselves mm-hmm. they did they, they lived life to make sure their parents were okay and then they made sure their kids were okay mm-hmm. and they left themselves last mm-hmm. and it's so sad it's very unfortunate to see, and then now you are getting first-generation Canadians who are now putting their foot down. Mm-hmm. They're going, okay, wait, I have to put myself first. Yeah, you know, I, I, and if I don't, then I, I can't support you, you know, in a, in a loving way or in a financial way or in a, any other way mm-hmm. possible. And, you know, I say that openly for, you know, anyone who is a parent or is a child to like be able to start having these healthy conversations with those in their life because sometimes i've been guilty of it too you're in your own head about it you know you're just you're just thinking something that truly doesn't exist when you go to your parents and be like hey like what does support look like Mm -hmm. you know when when we're older and then you're just gonna get oh if you know you don't have to do it but like if you live close and you like are like in our lives and we see you on weekends and you're like oh Okay. (laughs) Instead of thinking, like, do do we all have to still live as joint families the way you guys did in your previous generation? And if it is that route, because they don't, let's be honest, not everyone is that way. But if it is, okay. If Mm. you don't want that at the time of life you're in, discuss it, talk about it. Don't let history repeat itself. So
1: many times making those assumptions really bite us because it can cause this like tension in that relationship, it doesn't even need to be there. If you would have that conversation and be honest about what you were thinking and feeling and worried about, and the other person could be like, oh, that's not what I expect from you at all. I mean, you were just like working yourself up for no reason.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the stories we tell our heads, right?
1: Yeah, or the societal expectations that we think we need to step up to.
0: That's a
1: big one. Um, Yeah, the pressure that that can put on us is just can be unnecessary,
0: right? This episode of The Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Inventures, your front row seat to what's next. Register now for Inventures 2022, where you can learn, share, and be inspired by the startups, entrepreneurs, investors, and global thought leaders who are redefining the future. Inventures runs June 1st to 3rd in Calgary and online, featuring more than 150 sessions, over 250 speakers, international keynotes, expert panels, startup pitch invites, networking opportunities, and more. Reserve your pass now at inventures.com. That's I-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S Canada.com. Now, Back to the second floor podcast. On a lighter note, deep. <laughs> <laughs> what is something we're doing well? You know, what is something you notice when you walk in a households lately? Common theme, or you're like, you know what? It's great that you're seeing something happening that is a constant, it's a norm. Maybe it's something that surprised you. Maybe it's something where you're like, okay, this checks off the box. Thank goodness, right? At least everyone's doing their (laughs) laundry, right? But like anything where you recognize that it's a healthy, um, you know, positive, uh, you could say, attribute to one's environment going the direction it should be going.
1: Well, with my clients, they've reached out to me for help. They've invited me in. They usually have prepped their family members that I'm coming. (laughs) They've gotten some kind of permission or buy-in. And even though everyone's a little nervous or hesitant, they're open. They're open to try, right? And I think that's where I've noticed in the clients that I've worked with and also in our society in general during, because of COVID and this transition is we're open to try new things. We're open to try new experiences. We're open to take a a shift in our direction and do something a little different than how we've normally done it. And yeah, it's stretching and it's growing and it's uncomfortable, but we are kind of at the same time anticipating like what's, and excited about what's good what good is going to come out of this so i think i've noticed a lot of kind of optimism over like shadowed by a little bit of nervousness and, and anxiety but overall yeah working with people who are nervous for the change but also excited for the change it's a very like interesting tension but i think it's good to be open to try yeah. something new something different a different approach Um yeah i mean a lot of parents were forced into the homeschooling thing a lot of kids were forced into online schooling a lot of people were forced into working from home and doing zoom calls instead of meetings and then everyone went wow why haven't we been doing this sooner it's so much more efficient you can get so much more done i can work at my own pace i don't have distractions as co-workers coming into my cubicle all the time or mm-hmm. you know the kids can do the subjects that they love the most and then we can work on the other things together later um it's it's just so great to see people taking that that shift and and running with it and seeing and getting the best out of it because there's always good things that can come from difficult situations or things that feel like or seem at first like it's a negative sometimes those are the things that we needed to propel us and to the next best thing
0: i like that it's everyone being excited for a sense of change going in the right direction yeah
1: yeah yeah. there's um
0: there's the trans theoretical model of change that is comes right out of um situations where people are addicted to drugs and you know i I forgot who has created this model but what you're describing is people shifting from pre-contemplation to contemplation Hmm. right like you're meeting them at that stage where it's like okay maybe maybe we got we gotta get some professional help here, right? <laughs> yeah. And then now you're meeting them at okay, we're contemplating whether or not we do this, going directly into okay, that ready state. Mm-hmm. That okay, please, Krista, help us. <laughs> like yeah. we thank you for taking a look at what we need. Let's let's be guided in in a direction you see fit. Yeah. And um, I think I find many people are in that stage. Many people go through those battles in their own head and they don't really they don't really get the help they actually need until someone like you in the, mm-hmm. in the profession or in the space in which you know you can help them and goes, okay, we're not I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. Like, yep, you told me this is an issue. It's going to keep happening if you don't get my help because here's what I am helping you with.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. great when you have somebody who's like, I've done this a million times before. It doesn't matter if you don't know where to start. I'm going to tell you where we're going to start. Like, this is yeah. the best place to start. Let's take my hand and let's do this together. And when you're not doing it alone, I mean, we come in and do everything except make the decision mm-hmm. about what stays and what goes. Everything else, you can leave it to us. And that's the greatest thing for people who are feeling paralyzed by overwhelm and anxiety is, oh, I only need to decide if it's recycle or trash, donate, or it stays in my house. Yeah, that's it, just sit here, I will ask you about these things, and then when you decide, then I will do with them as you've decided. I love that. And. It's just relieving all the decision making Mm -hmm. of all the other parts of the process.
0: So that's what's nice because I want to talk a little bit more about process with you, Krista, is we talked a little bit about your consultation and then now going into the steps of what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. So based off what you said, to clarify, you now at this stage are going into the person's house and you're making the changes.
1: Yeah. We bring all of the boxes and the donation bags, the garbage bags. We bring all of the organizing products that we think are going to work in the space. Um, And then we pull everything out. We categorize it and sort it, and then we'll sit down with the client and go through one category at a time. Sometimes one item at a time. Mm. They have stories. They have to process. They have to get coached and ask some certain questions to be able to decide. Okay, I want to let this go. I'm good now. That can leave. Um, and then we haul away all of the donations. We take out the trash and we organize everything that's staying into a way that's going to function and flow properly for their family, for their personality, for their their needs and we bring everything that we need to do that. And then we walk away at the end of the day and it's done and they can just enjoy their space.
0: That's just it. It's just going back to enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Right. I can't imagine in like, I'll give you a small example that could lead into a much more deeper one where this space we're sitting in funny enough was an unused space. It was, I think we talked a little bit about this before, like underutilized right? (laughs) where, you know, at the time, Cassius and I we were thinking where do we have our next studio and we were thinking gotta go find a space here go rent there what are we gonna do we're gonna put more money into the podcast (laughs) and then I just had this like epiphany I was like it's like Cassius come over one day he comes over I was like come in come in he's like come in where come in this room he's like what room I was like this one he's like there's a room in here (laughs) so, so it's closed I was like yeah come check it out so him and I we walk in Chris and he's looking around he's like dude he's like this is crazy and i'm like yeah should we do it (laughs) and we decided right then and there to have our studio here and it just made sense because this was you know it's funny how we identify a room for how it was built this was a quote-unquote theater room we never made a theater in here right a tv there it just doesn't make sense (laughs) so it's funny when you mention that when it's like okay like now you can enjoy a space like What is this space used for? That's up to your level of creativity, you know? And and, and now, I mean, on a a way more serious note, when it comes to a family member, unfortunately, passing away, Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, downsizing due to, Mm -hmm. let's just say, perhaps it's a transitional phase and it's exciting. You realize kids are moving out. You are now, um, they say, empty nester. Right. And you need to now just no longer live in your home. You need to live in a smaller home or for financial reasons, things, you know, are tightening up. So you need to just take a step back. You know, these are all spaces I visualize you in. Um, I'm just wondering, like, you know, what questions you do ask or you believe if someone out there right now did lose a loved one and they've they're keep, they're holding on to their stuff. For years months days who knows but like what advice could you give to someone in that area as far as what questions they should ask themselves or what they should be doing in this transitional phase
1: i think my main concern with every client is that they're giving themselves grace and compassion because we're so easy and quick to give compassion to other people but when it comes to us and where we're at in life and how we're making choices or some of the choices we've made and the outcomes of those, those decisions, we have so little compassion for ourselves. We beat ourselves up and go, oh, I should be able to do this. I should have done this a long time ago. I should be moving faster with that. And I'm looking at them going, you're doing amazing, right? And so being able to go in there and feed back to them and be like, I'm hearing you say this, but what I see is a really strong person who's made it this far and you've been able to do this much and you should be proud of yourself. And it's not so much about I say what questions I ask them. I think I'm more of like a inspirational like motivator. Oh the podcaster
0: in me says questions cuz I always ask questions.
1: <laughs> because what I'm finding is that I'll say to them, I'll be like, oh, you're you're doing so great. And they'll be like, oh, no, no, I should be doing. And then they'll kind of come back at me with the negative. And I will say to them, I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty harsh. And they're like, oh, yeah, because if I was grieving or I was going through a tough transition, would you say that to me? Probably not. You would be a lot easier on me and be more, more, more caring, right? So I think a lot of times giving my clients permission to give themselves accolades and be proud of themselves and see how far they've come and be aware of that is really important because it gives them a confidence that they didn't have before. And when my clients have confidence, then they are empowered, and when they're empowered then they make decisions that are best for them and it's not a, it's not selfish at all it's just empowerment so i guess the questions that i would ask them if i if i ask them questions is you know how long have you had this and does it how does it make you feel
0: mm-hmm.
1: and normally i don't have to ask those questions cuz they're just telling me all that already mm-hmm. as we're going through it um, but as they start to verbalize and process, oh, I've had it for this long, this is how it's making me feel. And I don't really like that feeling anymore. Um, then they're just they're just more willing to to let it go and move on. Uh, I I don't know, it's it's so individual for every it person. Is. Yeah. But I'm finding they just they're just talking to me and they're just expressing themselves and I'm just listening. I'm like, man, that must be really hard. Mm -hmm. you know and then as they get that kind of compassion they start to realize that they're
0: actually doing a good job and that's see it's like what you say back to them not ask as as we've identified (laughs) but no no not even that and it's how you say it Mm -hmm. and i love how you use that word compassion because as human beings we crave that we need that you know, it's one thing to have a set of ears, but it's another thing if like we genuinely feel like this person yeah. is paying attention to me. They're caring about what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Right. They understand. And I think that's what's so important about fueling our mental health is first and foremost, are the people in our life doing that for us? And if they're not, how are we voicing it out to them? Mm-hmm. You know, because let's not bottle things up. Let's address it as soon as we can with talking about the extent of how much it's hurting us. Right. I find it's one thing for us to say what we want or need. It's another thing to just let it let them know the extent of it. Mm. Um I know I'm guilty of this is I I need that extension. Otherwise I'll be blinded by how much it's actually hurting somebody. Mm. If if that makes sense. Where like if someone's telling me something that they wish I could give them more. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not really knowing the extent of how much it's hurting them, then I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it as much. And that's bad. Like for that, that's my own thing I'm working on mm-hmm. where like I personally need someone to like get mad, to get like upset for me to be like, oh, okay, whoops. And then that's when I realize that's the case. I'm like, okay, I need psychological help with this, right? And I'm getting it, and it's good. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it's important for people in these situations. So first ask, are you addressing it? And now it's this is back to knowing who you're addressing it to, is are you addressing it to the person for them to actually be aware mm-hmm. of how much it's affecting you?
1: Yeah, you know everybody I mean? has their own way of understanding something and processing something. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people need that like over exaggerated maybe like explanation, right? Because yeah. you, ha- you have you have people who are very sensitive and they can feel it without you even saying a word. Those sensitive, intuitive people, I mean, they they can feel everybody's like stuff going on, mm-hmm. but. A lot of people haven't tuned into that yet. And so you do need to be expressive and detailed and clarify, this is what is bothering me. When you do this specific thing, I feel this way and I don't like that. So I want to come up with a solution. How can we work together to figure this out and and come up with a, a better way of doing this so that I'm not feeling this way t- towards you anymore because it's damaging our relationship.
0: That's game changing right there. It's huge. Because then that immediately goes in the direction of, I want us to still be team relationship. As opposed to this is hurting me and all, all of a sudden everyone's on defense. Yeah, is yeah. that one step closer to this being over? Right before it's, of course, too late if it just keeps happening. Right? And uh, I think that's a constant battle we're in in life. Mm. And I think it's very important kind of if we look at a theme of our conversation is, you know, how are you serving yourself Mm. before being able to be there for others? And if you are on the other side of recognizing that someone's distancing themselves away from you, or perhaps again, going back to the decluttering of the mind, the space, everything, you just have to pay attention to that. You have to give someone that space, right? And, i'm realizing that as i'm going right now
1: (laughs) no it's good and when you you know are able to self-reflect write some things down and then be asking those same questions of the person that you care about to make sure they're okay to make sure they're okay with you when you take responsibility for the issues that are in the relationship that gives them permission to go yeah that does bother me Or yeah, I have some things going on. And and when you come to them first with an openness to be like, hey, is there anything you want to tell me? Because I'm working on myself and I want this relationship to be stronger. How can we, you know, be better? That gives them permission to, to tell you what they want to tell you. And you're going in with an openness, not a defensiveness. And the intention is to better the relationship, to better yourself, to better your life. When you go in with that openness and intentionality you are going to grow and that relationship is going to get stronger and your life will be better i mean it's unavoidable
0: it's very true you know when i when i think uh, about when someone's so passionate about something there's a reason why they are you know Mm -hmm. like especially when i think right now and i want us to get into it of like who you serve and what like like who can actually benefit from your services. Cause I, if I'm still listening to this, I'd be like, oh my goodness, Chris, I could be like my therapist. <laughs> like she's gonna help me with my mind, my environment, my social life, which I bet to a degree you make an impact yeah. on, which is beautiful, right? <laughs> but I know we'll get into the specifics of like, you know, what outcome you can know you can guarantee. But before we get there, um, why do you do what you do? You know, did you have anything that's happened in your personal life, collectively, or has there been a moment Or just overall, like what makes you do what you have so much passion for now in life?
1: I am really passionate about quite a few aspects of, you know, the professional organizing business that I run. Uh, A big part of it is the emotional transformation I see in people. I mean, I go in and they're crying because they're embarrassed and then I leave and they're hugging me and crying because they're relieved and they're, they're, they're feeling so good. And that six hours I spent with them could like just completely transform them. And that is a huge motivator for me to keep doing this because it is life transforming and it makes me feel good. Like I'm making the difference, right? And the other part about what I love is being able to create like and build this company that people can work with me and have that same experience as my team members helping our clients and my team members can feel and see that change in their, in our clients and they can be blessed by it. They can do something like decluttering and organizing that they love. It's like their hobby. It's fun for them. And now they get paid to do it and they're women, they're moms, they're, you know, um, maybe using this money for special things to do with their family. And this is giving them some time away from their kids an excuse to get a babysitter. And I pay them well enough so they can pay the babysitter and still have money to yeah, put away. It's awesome. Um, and it makes me feel good to provide for those other women. Cause I was in a tough spot after my divorce and it, it just feels so good to be able to empower the women that I work with on my team. Um, I hire and employ other contractors to do, you know, social media and web design and media outreach and my accounting. I they're all women and I pay them to do that, that stuff in the back end and that makes me feel really good supporting local economy, you know, <laughs> and and other business women. And yeah, I really just enjoy the entrepreneurial aspect of it. I really love business. I always have. It's in my blood. My dad raised me um, to, you know, work smarter, not harder, and it's fun. I every aspect of the business is fun. Even the nitty-gritty like social media, Google Ads, uh, the budgeting. Like I love all of it and That's
0: awesome. the business, side, yeah, of the too, business right? side of it. Yeah, the
1: business side of it. so yeah, I don't know. There's just so much to it that it just kind of checks every box for me. And I, I
0: were you always personally organized in your space growing up?
1: Yeah, my like, room was very minimalist and I always had like the specific place for every specific thing. I never had labels. It would have been great if my mom would have gotten me a label maker. <laughs> <Like old labels laughs> I would have nice. labeled everything. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, but more, more than that, I was very organized with my time time management mm. and my schedule i was always a straight a student because i was very good at you know managing projects you know needed to be done and i whenever we had group um, activities or the church needed someone to organize some event i was always like i'll do it you know <laughs> uh whatever there was a group you know doing a science experiment or something in school i was always like the one that would take charge and lead and delegate and assign roles and <laughs> It just, and made sure it got done, you know? Um, So yeah, I've been very organized with time management and organizing people, leading people, spaces. Just I
0: wish people could see and feel the energy in this room just to clearly show (laughs) that you're right where you belong. You know, and I I think it's important for people to identify with like, ask yourself constantly why you do what you do. If Mm. you don't get as excited as Krista, then maybe it's not the right thing, (laughs) right? And also pay attention to the inadvertent, let's say uh you could say lifestyle traits and and ways you lived your life growing up mm. that directly relate to your role directly relate to you being a business owner yeah. right cuz again not everyone can do it and by it i mean being an entrepreneur and as well doing what you've niched yourself down to yeah right
1: yeah, being an entrepreneur is hard. I mean, I have a lot of business experience. And right from a young age, my dad showed that to me and how to do it well and what not to do. I learned a lot from what not to do too. So I'm very grateful for him. And I learned a lot from people that we worked with. You know, I I download as much information from smart people, hardworking people, other people that own businesses. I'm so excited to talk to those people and see what I can learn from them. I I just... I think it's important that anyone wanting to be an entrepreneur and start something based on a passion that they have or a talent that they have understand the time and energy commitment that it requires to run your own company you and to. do it yourself like it's it's, it's a lot.
0: Yeah. It is. And you have to believe in your ability especially in a service provided industry yeah right because it's not like you're just like okay it's x amount here's what i'm dropping off at your door enjoy the product <laughs> yeah. right it's like okay. you are the product yeah literally. like i am
1: the asset if they are not happy it's because they're not happy with me mm-hmm. and what i did right so you have to be confident you have to be self-aware you have to be open to you know humble and open to admitting when you make mistakes um there's a lot of self-development and growth that has to go into being a, a an entrepreneur. It's not just about doing the thing it's about you because you're the one doing the thing and yeah. it affects everything you're usually the one doing all the things in the beginning so it affects everything (laughs) you're the
0: bookkeeper the accountant you're the marketer you're the you're the ceo right you're wondering what to put on for your title you're like call me everything yeah and you're one you're
1: you're, you you need to figure out the business plan you need to figure out your service offerings and you figure out your pricing you need to figure out if you're gonna make profit with that pricing if you have expenses so there's just so much to it and if you don't know what you're doing, there's so many people and so many ways you can get answers and, and, and figure that out and grow and learn. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do it alone. And so true. There's so like all the information is at your fingertips now with all the podcasts and the people Perfect. you can listen to. Yeah,
0: the <laughs> fact that you can connect with someone on air and share it to the world. It's amazing. Yeah. It's right? so good. And I'm glad you mentioned like the whole like do your homework and and know like exactly what you're offering, how it's going to be offered and before you put it out there what your price is. I find that super important, because Mm -hmm. ultimately if you're making a business and you realize you want it to be your full-time gig, this is something that you're gonna be putting food on the table for, like it's something that you're gonna be paying your bills for. Mm -hmm. So I find it's so important to work backwards, is just be like, okay, well, what is making a living for me and my lifestyle, right? It's like, okay, well, maybe for a lot of people, it's yeah, I wanna make six figures right and it's amazing that you've actually personally been able to do that mm-hmm. with this business it's like okay if i'm going to make six figures then how many clients do i actually need a service how much am i actually going to charge and if i'm not doing this alone what are my expenses who am I actually yeah. going to have to pay out to help me? And I find so many people get excited. right? So many people are like, I could make $250,000. And then it's like, wait, sorry, man. Like, that's that's revenue. revenue yeah. dude. That's wait, how much is coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you have to subtract? And they're like, wait a second. $40,000. Is this even worth it? Right? And it happens. So, like, I'm wondering, like, what would be your advice or rather how did you really determine what your offering is when when you realize, like, okay, this is how much my worth needs to be? Yeah. And from there, what made you come up with that number?
1: There's a big difference between doing a side hustle when you're already making enough at your job to cover some of those bills. And you're like, okay, the side hustle money is for investment or retirement or kids education or like that's totally different than jumping all in in your business. And like you said, having to do all of that plus pay the bills, you have to start with your number of. I, what do I need to survive? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) and then I need the wiggle room, the rain fund, rainy day fund. And then I want to be able to invest and I want child education savings plans. And I want, you know, all of this fun money to add that up and be like, okay, so in order to make that, what is the revenue that my business requires? Because there's going to be a bunch of, like you said, expenses. And you do have to work backwards that way. And it's not easy for people to, it, cause it, you it's a lot of money you need to charge a lot of money otherwise if you're not charging enough you're working with way too many people to try to meet that amount that you need and you're gonna burn yourself out
0: and then that's why it's so important to have that timeline right like this is literally me where I'm forecasting right now mm-hmm. when I want to be able to have my own martial arts academy okay how many members do i need to have day one it opens up and it's like okay wait a second because of all of the the items and money we're putting in we're not going to have a positive cash flow Mm -hmm. until seven months in okay then now you have to accept that you have to go oh okay i see why so many people aren't willing to do this but then it's like okay so for seven months what do i need each month So now for those listening, if you're in a similar situation and you're forecasting when you want to open up your own business, you have to think for a second, okay, so how much I need bare minimum each, let's say month, bare minimum to survive $2,000 in a month. Mm. Okay, so I'd best have $14,000 in the bank ready to go before I launch my business. Because the time and energy and effort that's being put in, I won't profit until seven months in, but I have to accept that. Because it's ultimately a business that I love.
1: Yes, it is worth it. And that's where I think sometimes we run into an issue with impatience and expecting it to happen quickly and happen on time and happen exactly the way that we plan. It's going to go like super smooth and easy. And it never does. There's always kinks along the way. There's always things that come up like my van. Crap the Like I was in Wainwright and the thing broke down and I had to get it towed. And after the tow truck and the repairs, it cost me three grand. So you always have to be prepared for things going wrong and expect them to go wrong so that you can be financially prepared and emotionally, mentally ready to deal with that stuff and be resilient because it's going to happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. I'll share with you a very uh, vulnerable story. And Cassius is going to love that I'm sharing this because... For those of you who don't know, well, you should know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cassius is also one of my best friends outside of being my partner in the podcast. And I had that really real moment. It hit me. And actually, I was near to tears when it happened to me where, again, it's going back to that moment where, like, you need to have a safety net. And if you don't have it, do you at least have a support network. Mm -hmm. You have people who can literally save you. And I was at the brick one day. And uh, I remember this like it was yesterday. I needed to pay my um, furniture I purchased. And by the way, if you're listening to this, and I'm sorry, Brick, but I'm going to say it. Their buy now, pay later deal oh, fucking sucks. No. It is going to eat you alive because you as a young 22-year-old kid at the time, like, I'll buy everything I need and then pay <laughs> later. I'll, I'll have all the money in the world by then. And then COVID happens, oh, right? No. So- I remember I walk into that store realizing that okay I have a certain amount of money I have to pay so i had like my debit card my credit card my other credit card I had another debit card and I'm ready to start paying and for some odd reason I wasn't able to have my cards work so I went on looked at the bank and there was an automatic payment that got taken out that I didn't realize timing wise would have me short and it was short a significant amount so i had that moment where i was like i don't want to call my parents for this i don't want to like lean on help for them i'm gonna call my best friend omid i called him and he's like yo what's going on and i was like nearly about to break down in tears i was like man i need your help and i was like Mm -hmm. this is embarrassing and how he handled it was amazing he's like i got you man he's like i'll come right over of course So he didn't say anything. He brought out his nice gold card, right? Like he was a savior, right? I was down on my knees. I was like, oh, but I'll do anything for you, right? But like he handled the situation beautifully. And I remember after a week I sat down, I was like, man, I've never felt so low in my life. And he at that point said, man, first of all, we're brothers, I always have your back. You know, you you pay me back whenever you need to. So first and foremost, like have friends in your life and people. That would be willing to do that for you know heartbeat. Not saying that I keep around for that reason, <laughs> but like the fact that the the friendship runs deeper. Yeah. Right? It's like we're brothers. And second of all, that was a day I realized that I need a safety net. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what happens, when this type of shit happens in life, he always told me, have an extra 5k sitting around. And I'll never forget since that day. Yeah. I've now thankfully I can say this. Like I can have that in case but, COVID happens again. Know. You know, in case. You know, I'm in a situation like that where car breaks down, like you said, and, and you're not scrambling and scared to wonder what's going on. And I find as much as people say, oh, entrepreneurs live in the moment, money comes in, money comes out. There's smart entrepreneurs that recognize mm-hmm. a certain amount of money needs to be in places for moments like that.
1: Yeah, there's a long term game, man. Like you have to be playing it long term. Like what's that game risk? I don't like that game, but I watch people play and it's like a long, they are strategic and it's a long term Mm -hmm. thing. It's not like whoever's like just taking over countries willy nilly. I mean, they end up they end up like dying at the end because they're not strategic and planning long term. And I think that's where as entrepreneurs, yes, you are jumping off a cliff and trying to figure out how to build a parachute on the way down because you've never done it before. But there are very important things like the business plan and the financial plan that you need to have in place. And if you don't know what the heck you're doing, pay somebody to help you. Like invest in that person to help you do that because it will ROI. It will return on investment in the long run. And it'll save you a lot of headache and hassle. And,
0: and this is the way I like to look stress. at it. I would way rather pay someone $500 to handle my money than lose 5000 yeah. just by me trying. Mm-hmm. And, and failing and then trying it again. And don't get me wrong, there's other people who really like it. I don't like it. Just <laughs> take my money and grow it. I don't know what to do with it, right? So it's important to realize that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to close out with a very important question. Um, you know, I think it's very fair for the time you spent with us today. And I'm sure many people are going to listen to this and be like, oh my goodness, I want Krista to declutter my XYZ. <laughs> um, I just want to know like who and what is your ideal client scenario? especially right now, especially with where you're headed, yeah. um, or, or more than one ideal clients, yeah. so we can you know have our listeners recognize that and go to you for that help.
1: Um, my ideal client is someone who is committed to making the change in their life and willing to invest some time and some money to get help to do that because you are the, the client that I want is the one that, drives the process that says I'm ready to do this I want to do this come in here and do this here's my money let's get going and they're willing to take time off work to work with me you know they're willing to have the conversations with their their partner or their kids that are tough conversations to say we need to deal with this we need to fix this problem and this lady is going to help us and we're going to commit time and energy to do this and money to do this um that's my ideal client because I can help anybody I it, as long as they want to be helped and they're committed to the process. And every single client that I've had because they've been the one to initiate reaching out has been absolutely amazing. I've been so, so, so blessed. I have so many amazing clients that many of them I could call friends now. And if you are struggling with overwhelm and stress and anxiety about the environment that you're living in and you know that it needs to get dealt with, but you don't know where to start, and you're just too anxious and overwhelmed to even think about doing it on your own, please, please, please reach out to us. Because we have a team of ladies who are very capable and very excited about helping, Non-judgmental, confidential, and we are here to help anybody who wants to work with
0: us. No, I love that.
1: (laughs) Sorry, it's not the ideal avatar client that's that's like... No, that's perfect. And it
0: just goes to show because there are people that are going to resonate with that. And I'm yeah. gonna be picking up the call right at this moment. The podcast yeah, calling I hope you, so. right? And what I love about that is you have a team. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's really special and important to resonate with. Because mm-hmm. uh, even for someone like myself, I have a team of personal trainers. I that's will have someone sit down with me when I'm doing a complimentary consultation and one of my favorite questions to ask is what do you look for in a personal trainer and i stop them in their tracks because i've done this over 500 times now i think (laughs) but enough (laughs) and i ask them you know don't tell me educated don't tell me motivation motivated those two things are are gonna happen but how do you get motivated what do you like and i always love when they're like if i'm being honest with you i like just someone chill not the whole like Come on, give me another fucking rep. And then I just, I say that because I'm like, okay, good. I'm like, this is why I love what I do. Because I play matchmaker, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, you're not going to like me then because I'm that guy, right? But again, (laughs) some people like it. But going back to you have a team and you have people that like, you can go, oh, okay, you're going to really resonate with so-and-so. Or you're going to be best fit with me. And I find that's what fills that entrepreneurship side. But on the other end is you going back, and this is something I want to acknowledge you for, Krista, is you genuinely care about improving someone's livelihood. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's exciting is I know a personal trainer is going to be great when they go to me and they say, Kenny, I mean this with every ounce in my body I want to help people mm-hmm. and I go okay what do you mean by help like I just want to make them a better version of themselves from like their body to their mental health to like yeah. their their nutrition habits and they're starting to list off things that isn't even on the job description of what a trainer does mm-hmm. however those are things I look for yeah because a great personal trainer a great service oriented individual in any space of promoting health is someone that's trying to holistically, Help that person out. Exactly. That's exactly what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and that's great. I mean, I relate to you on that too. Having different team members with different skills, different personalities, different approaches. Some are more minimalist. Some are more. Oh, what we could we use this for for something else? You know, and and then they'll all overhear them and like, Oh, don't let don't let Krista know that uh, I suggested keeping this item for something because she's like (laughs) she likes to get rid of stuff. Hide it, right? Hide it. (laughs) We laugh and we joke all the time when we're working as a group because we all have different approaches, and then. I am so good at finding, like you said, the, the match make between the client and the right organizer to lead that project. Awesome. And I do it really quick and I switch it really quick. If I was lead and then I find that she's connecting with one of my other team members much better, I'm like, OK, you're t- you're coaching the client. And I think that's a really important part as a leader is to recognize when your team can do maybe a better job mm. than you can with a certain um project or a certain task or a certain client and to be able to to give them that freedom and trust them and and watch them just bl- blossom and and be able to benefit the client and it's oh. so exciting and i love it so much
0: <laughs> i could tell i love so it. so much fun <laughs> it's awesome and i could tell it does take you know a lot of attention to detail and being able to see what someone needs and what is just a want and isn't servicing them right mm-hmm. so um i'd love for us to have you share you know, if anyone wants to do this as a career, you're going to be my go-to. I'm just going to send people (laughs) your way. You're my official HR decluttering (laughs) master. But if someone wants to do this or like as a career or someone Mm -hmm. is looking to be your next client, how can they uh, be in touch with you?
1: My website is the best place to start. It's rosecityprofessionalorganizing.com. And there's buttons all over the website that say book your free assessment or book your discovery call. And that could be for um, your home, your, your office. It could be for your schedule. It could be for your business. And if you're interested in becoming a professional organizer, um, I do interviews if you want to work for me. Um, and then I do coaching. So, and not just for, for professional organizers, but for any entrepreneur that's interested in starting their business or growing and scaling. And you can book a, a coaching call with me or, or apply to be a long-term coaching client because that's a real passion of mine, especially working with women who are wanting to start and scale a business that meets their financial needs, but also their time and their schedule and their family needs and fulfills them and makes them just light up, but also financially benefits them (laughs) see this is krista
0: jones ladies and gentlemen we are going to decrease divorce rates we're going to increase happiness (laughs) like this this is going to be amazing (laughs) i love it and uh no without a doubt this has been a joy to chat with you and i'm so excited to follow and continue following your journey right uh this you know i'm sure you won't mind me sharing this but for those that don't know i mean this is with what i'm about to share uh, kudos to your team and just your level of uh you um, direction you take and and asking for something you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just love that you and your team member reached out to us to have you share your story and beyond. And I want to be honest. I'll share this on air. We get people who do that. But mm-hmm. at the level you guys have did it, have done it, where it's like you know a beautiful like PDF file sharing what you're about, what the business is about. That's just you taking things to the next level.
1: What you mean? It was professionally organized. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was
0: clean, right? <laughs> so
1: I am so grateful that you had me here. I this i do this so that people will know that we exist and that we want to help them the more ears we can reach and the more people that see and hear the, these these interviews the more people we can help Definitely. because they'll know that we exist
0: it's very exciting thank I you so it. much is there anything else you'd like to end off with that you feel like we haven't uh, gone over any last words
1: um, follow me on Instagram at hey. city Organizing because that's where all my before and afters are, and people call it organization porn.
0: So that's hey, great. I like that. <laughs> if you want to get stimulated, you know where to go. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's a, wrap. that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you. Was Thank you, awesome.
1: Kenny.